Hey friends, I, I wanna welcome you, our online and TV crew. I wanna I want just tell you how grateful I am for your presence here today. I'm convinced that the Lord has some really great things that he wants to do in us and through us as we worship him together. Now, <clears throat> I'm gonna be very honest with you. I, I am not a big fan of winter. Uh, I am okay with like a little bit of snow right before Christmas, but as soon as the new year rolls around, I'm ready for warm air and spring and baseball. And so this past week has not been my favorite. I want you to take me back to that random 70 degree day that we had in December, not these days full of negative wind chills. But I tell you what, regardless of the season, I am so grateful that connecting with Christ and connecting with one another in Christ produces warm fellowship and enduring healthy relationships. And I'm just so excited that we get to lift high the name of Jesus together. And we're also continuing our breakthrough teaching series. And, and I would love for you to consider this question. Where in your life do you need to experience breakthrough? Where do you need a breaking in of the transformative power of God in your life? And we're also asking a similar question as a whole church. The question is, are, are we actively praying for breakthrough on behalf of our church? Are we asking for God's power and strength to be brought to, to, to bear on behalf of this body of believers so that we can live out the love of Jesus in these beautiful cities that we've been planted in? So I wanna invite us to sing us a few songs. And, and this worship set was recorded during the Christmas season, but it's never too late to celebrate the coming of Jesus into our world. And so I wanna just invite us to worship the Lord together. Come on, let's put those hands together. Oh, he 
All right, Claire. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. It is a blessing to be with you. And again, as uh, Pastor Steve said at the very beginning of the uh, service today, way to skate in here. Way to go. Welcome to Heritage on Ice. It is great to, uh, to be with you this morning. You know, if you uh, are here this morning for the first time at Heritage, we just want to say thank you so much for being with us. It is a delight to have you with us this morning. Um, I just want you to know, I think you've chosen a great church, uh, and I only say that because I'm not a pastor uh, here. I'm just an interim person uh, for a series of time, and it is a delight, however, for me to be able to serve this body of, of believers during this time of transition. And uh, again, as Sadie just said a few moments ago, I really want to invite you to our congregational meeting this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Got some very exciting things to share with you. Uh, just want to keep you in the loop and up to date on those things. So if you can be with us at 3, please be with us at 3. Now here's the thing. If if you're not in a relationship with God yet through Jesus Christ, I just want you to know you're missing out. And what I pray is, is that by the end of today's service that you'll have an inkling in your spirit and in your heart that you want to begin a relationship with this God who's absolutely crazy in love with you. That's what I hope that will happen as a result of being with us this morning. But if you are in a relationship with God, if you've actually opened up your heart to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and through what Jesus did on the cross for you, then my, my question for you is, are you asking God to bless what you're doing, or have you actually elevated yourself to the point where you're actually now praying, God, would you help me to understand your desires for my life and actually get in tune with those? Instead of doing whatever I darn well please and saying, oh God, would you bless it, please? Have you actually gotten to the place where you said, God, actually what I really want is I really want to be right smack in the middle of what you have for me. Help me to discern what that is and then move into it. And here's what I believe with all my heart. What I believe is that God actually really does want to bless and guide you. He really, really does. But a key component of that is learning how to pray. And how to pray and actually have a two-way communication with God. Where you pray, and, and, and we pray, I mean, certain prayers we just pray like, oh God, help me not to slip and fall on this parking lot while I'm walking in a church. Right? I mean, we pray prayers like that. But also, prayers is two-way communication where we're saying, God, help me to understand what you're saying to me. Because God is actually, the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to you. And actually, we've prayed that he would speak to you in the next few moments. And here's what I believe with all my heart. There are breakthroughs that God wants you to experience that we will only experience through prayer. There are certain things that will not happen in your life unless you pray. I believe that with all my heart. You can go through life and choose not to pray, and you will miss out on things that God actually had for you. 
Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, we're a couple weeks removed from Christmas now. Uh, and it's just because I, there have been times when, when a parent accidentally finds a gift like two weeks after Christmas and says, oh, yeah, I was going to give you that. And I bought it back in June, and I'm just now remembering it. Like, right? I mean, that happens. And then all of a sudden, that kid... You know, hey, mom like walks in or dad walks in and says, hey, I've got this gift that I bought for you and I totally forgot about it and here it is. And the kid goes, woohoo, bonus, right? This is awesome. This is like Christmas going on into January. Well, in the same way, but actually much more significantly so, Holy Spirit wants to guide you and lead you and has things for you that you and I will only experience through prayer, that we will only experience as a result of us praying. So, let me make it crystal clear. Our prayers matter. They make a difference. Our prayers actually matter. They make a difference. Now, some of you have this theological construct that basically says, God's already got everything planned out. He's already kind of set things in motion, and my prayer doesn't matter at all. I can't change at all what's going to happen. Because God's already decided it. And I'll just tell you, that's not exactly the way that Scripture is laid out. That's not what Scripture shows us about God and His plans for your life and my life. Our prayers actually make a difference. Let me just give you a, a couple of passages of Scripture that kind of make that clear. One, many, many of you will know. Matter of fact, all of these passages, that if you've been in church for a while, you've heard before. First one is very famous, Jeremiah 29, 11. If, if, excuse me, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I'll get to Jeremiah 29, 11 in a few minutes. But if my people, so this is God speaking to us, right? And he says, if my people, people who are in a relationship with me, and they're called by my name, they're in a relationship with me, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. There are things, God says, that I will only do if people pray. And then, my friend Steve talked a little bit about this last week. Out of James, Jesus' stepbrother, James, James writes this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Say those words. The prayers of a righteous person are what? And? Great. There's about 15 of you in the room. Actually, there's more than that. So the prayers of a righteous person are what? They are? And they are? They're effective. They're effective. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He's just like us. He's just a regular dude. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain in the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. And then the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. When he says this, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And then Jesus goes on. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you don't give them a stone instead, do you? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? To those who ask Him. To those who ask Him. Not to those who just assume it's going to happen and that we're kind of in this fatalistic world and nothing's ever going to change. 
So do me a favor, turn to your neighbor right now and just say, your prayers matter. Just go ahead, turn to your neighbor. Your prayers matter, okay? Your prayers actually matter. So, but here's the thing. How we pray, how you and I pray is actually key. That's key in this process. So, again, back to Jesus' stepbrother, James. Jim writes this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, so if we're asking for wisdom or actually anything, but when we ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person who just prays with a bunch of doubt should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, there needs to be some passion in our prayers. There needs to be some faith in our prayers. We actually have to believe that God is actually going to come through for us. That if we're kind of like, oh God, I don't think you're all that powerful, and I don't think you really love me, and I don't think you really care about me, well then probably we're not necessarily going to see some of the answers that we want to see. Jim makes it pretty clear when he writes under the authority of the Holy Spirit that our attitude when we are praying actually makes a big difference concerning whether or not we're going to experience a breakthrough prayer. See, if I believe that prayer is effective, and if I believe that my prayer can actually change things, then I should give myself to prayer. I should actually turn off ESPN radio. I should actually turn off whatever it is that I listen to on the way to work. And I should actually pray. I should actually ask that God begins to work and move in whatever setting I'm in. Because if I believe that God is faithful, and if I believe that he's powerful, then my prayers actually make a difference. And if I'm passionate about prayer, then it causes me to do some radical things, like, well, like fasting. Now, some of you think, like, whating? <laughs> like, what is fasting? Like, I know how to go fast in my car, but what do you mean when you're talking about fasting? What does fasting mean? Well, fasting typically means to go without food or something else that we enjoy for a period of time. And you might ask, what in the world does fasting have to do with my prayer? Like, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. Well, let me just ask you, what typically happens if you skip, for those of you who have breakfast, every, who are my breakfast eaters? Don't be ashamed, just raise your hand. Who are my breakfast eaters? Okay, great, thank you very much. Now, what happens if you skip breakfast what happens by about 10 o'clock in the morning? You're, you're what? You're hungry. And, and what happens to your stomach? What does your stomach do? It growls. Like, it lets you know, hey, idiot, you haven't eaten yet today. What's wrong? Right? That's, that's what we can, Now, what fasting does is that it uses that prompt of our hunger pain to remind us to pray. That's all it is. It's just a prompting in our life. And again, we'll talk for just a minute about food and other things that we can fast from. But it's just a prompting in our life to remind us to pray. That's what it does. Now, what ends up happening is, is that as a result of that, the fervency of our prayers, like the passion of our prayers, start increasing. Because what happens is like, oh my goodness, I'm hungry, and I'm, I'm going to choose not to eat right now. So, yeah, my prayers are more focused. Like, God, I'm in tune with you right now. Because my stomach is telling me I'm hungry. I want to eat, but I'm going to choose not to eat because I want to focus in on prayer. I want to focus in on praying about this issue or this area in my life. Now, believe it or not, I know this is going to blow some of your minds. Most of us can fast 
can do without food for a short period of time. Now, some of you are physically not able to. You have diabetes or whatever, and I get it, okay? I fully understand that. Uh, my encouragement to you would be, and we'll talk about this just very briefly in just a second, that you might consider fasting from something else. Now, I want to share with you a little bit about my journey with fasting. And uh, yeah, just because I, I think it might be germane or helpful to a few of you. I have no idea who, but I, I'm pretty sure from the Holy Spirit I'm supposed to share, with it, share this with you. So I grew up in a home with some great parents. Uh, but by the time they uh, had me, they were kind of tired of parenting. Um, there's eight years difference between me and my next eldest, my next youngest uh, sibling. They're 17 months, they're 17 months apart, and then there's eight years to me. And my parents were just kind of tired of it. And they wanted to go out and just go out to dinner. Now, my parents were not partiers by any sense of the word, but they just wanted to go have dinner together. And so, um, they, you know, they would leave me home alone. And uh, I, le- I grew up in a neighborhood where there were really, and I don't mean this way, I, there were no kids my age in my neighborhood. Um, all the kids in my neighborhood were older. They were my brother's age. Uh, they weren't my age. And so they would leave me home, and I would be home alone. And, and what ended up happening is, is that food became the thing that I turned to for companionship. And I just ate because there was, that, that was the way that I tried to gain pleasure was through eating. For some reason, I've always had a really high view of sex in marriage, so pornography has never been tempting for me. I don't know why. I don't think I'm any specialer than anybody else, any more special than anybody else. Not at all. But porn has never been my thing. Food has always been my thing. And so what happens is you become an adult and you start facing real-life issues like stress. And, um, and, and so I would start, I, you know, if I felt stressed or if I felt something going on or if there was stress in my marriage— well, then I would just eat. And, and there was no emotion, no fear, nor f- no frustration, no anxiety about finances, no stress about work, no stress at home that a double cheeseburger from McDonald's couldn't fix. Like, I, I man, I just, I, there was nothing that a double cheeseburger and fries from McDonald's couldn't fix. And that's what I gave myself to. And eventually I looked like this, and we actually have a picture of what I looked like. Yes, that really is me. And finally, um, what happened is, is that I was on a missions trip with my wife. My wife and I led missions trips for about 10 years for uh, young adults. And we're on this missions trip that we always led every year. And the Holy Spirit was just inviting me to trust him in the area of food. Uh, specifically, because, because food had become my God. Instead of trusting God when I was stressed, I was going to food. And Holy Spirit was very lovingly, gently, just saying to me, can we eradicate your dependence on food? And he just gently, lovingly, not, not with condemnation, because that's not how he works. There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He just lovingly said, hey, Chris, can we work on that area? And he gently said to me, this, this may not be germane to you at all, but he gently said to me, I want to encourage you to go on a fast, he said to me, very quietly in my own spirit. And I'm like, are you stinking kidding me? Like, food is my thing. So there's this internal struggle. So on this mission trip, and I'll never forget it, Mary and I had been married for, I don't know, four, five, six years at that point. And she turned to me, we'd never talked about fasting in our married life up to that point, never really mentioned it. And she turned to me and she said, have you ever thought about doing an extended fast? Like, out of the blue on this mission trip, she says that to me. And you know what my response was? No lie. You know what my response was? Dang it! 
Because <laughs> I knew as soon as that came out of her mouth that that was Holy Spirit speaking to me. And so we got back from the missions trip, and I started to fast. And I fasted for 40 days. Water, Gatorade for 40 days. That's it. Now, I'll tell you, I did talk to a medical doctor before I did it. Don't you dare do an extended fast without talking to a medical doctor. And what began to happen in my life back then is I began to break the curse in my life of dependence on food and began to open up more of a dependence on prayer and fervency in prayer. And I began to watch God transform me from the inside out and give me much more of a passion for prayer and to break through prayer. And that was, um, I think I, I, probably 23 years ago that, that, that I fasted for 40 days. And I fasted for various times since then. And now my, my regular routine is I, I typically fast every day until 5 o'clock at night. I don't do it 365 days a year um, because if someone, if I'm going out with someone and they're really looking forward to this meal, they really want to take me to breakfast or they really want to take me to lunch to their favorite place, I'm not going to be a jerk. Like, sure, I'll eat, whatever. But, but the reason for that for my life is, is that I, I just know for me that food is still the thing that I'm tempted to go to. So I want to continue to remind myself that I need God and I need his power in my life more than I need anything else. Now, food may not be your thing. Some of you, you know, we all have people that, um, that, that live to eat. That would be my tendency. Like, I can't wait. He, like, Jeremiah, Pastor Jeremiah, who's down in the front, he told me about this place called the Barrel House for hamburgers. And I went there for the first time last night. And they got a, a cheddar, like, cheeseburger that's got, like, this much cheese on the top of it. And I literally, like, I took a picture of it and sent it to my wife before I ate it, just because... It was, it was glorious. It was just beautiful. It was, a, it was a sight to be seen. It was a beautiful thing. So there are some of us that live to eat, but there are others of you, you just eat to live. Like, food is just food, whatever. Maybe for you, fasting for food is not the thing. Maybe fasting from shopping. Maybe fasting from uh, video games. Maybe fasting from social networking and social media. Maybe fasting from Netflix. Where do you tend to go when you're stressed? Where do you tend to go when, when something inside of you knows that everything is not all right? Where do you go? And there's an invitation on the table from Holy Spirit that says, I'd actually love for you to experience a breakthrough in that area of your life. And let me show you, Holy Spirit would say, how powerful I am and how powerful I can be in your life. See, the question is, is where do you need to see a breakthrough? Some of you need to see a breakthrough in your marriage. And again, as I've shared with you, Mary and I, and, and she was here on Christmas Eve, Mary and I, we, you know, we've been married 31 years now. And as I've shared with you before, that we had to fight for every inch of altitude in our married life. It's only been in the last four or five years that our marriage has been awesome. The first 10 or 15 years, we just fought continuously. We needed a breakthrough in our marriage. Where do you need a breakthrough? Maybe you need a breakthrough in your job. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your finances. As we're going through this series called Breakthrough, here's what I would hate. I'd hate for you to have an area in your life where you need to experience a breakthrough and for you to miss what God has for you. 
Because I actually believe that God has a breakthrough for you. I actually believe that God is powerful enough that he actually wants to change some things in your life and in my life. Like, I've got some areas of breakthrough right now that I'm praying for God to show himself strong in that area. And, and, and I need that. I need for him to show up in that area. Because if he doesn't, man, I'm not going to experience all that he has for, him, for me. And I don't want that to happen. Now, again, wh whether, you, whether you fast from food or not is not nearly as important as you decide to make this earnest, passionate focus on prayer. Now here's the thing, and guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the, the Matthew passage. And just go to this. Jesus understood that there was power that would be unleashed in his life when he fasted. Now it's important for you and I to understand kind of the underlying foundations of fasting. Number one, fasting doesn't increase our brownie points with God. It's not like, hey, if I go without something, okay, then I got more brownie points with God. So he's, man, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good with God then. Whoo! Fasting doesn't automatically mean that we're going to receive whatever it is we're praying for. Okay, I'm going to go without food, or I'm going to go without Netflix, or I'm going to go without social media. I'm going to go without, and then, and then God, well, then he's going to come through. He has to because I fasted. Fasting is not the golden ticket of prayer. Fasting is simply an avenue through which we are reminded to pray. We are reminded to put our trust in him. We are reminded that he is our source for power that we need in our life. Here's what I would say. While fasting doesn't give me any more brownie points, there does seem to be some things that come our way, that only come our way when we, when we earnestly pray and sometimes fast. In Mark chapter 9, disciples come to Jesus. Nine of them had been trying to cast out this demon from this young boy and were unable to do it. So Jesus and three disciples come off the mountain of transfiguration. They meet up with the other nine disciples who are trying to cast this demon out of this boy and it's not coming out. So Jesus walks up to the young man who's demon-possessed and he casts the demon out. And later, the disciples are alone with Jesus like a few minutes after that. And afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, the nine asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. And if you look at some of your Bibles, it will actually say in the footnote, that it will say, by prayer and fasting. Jesus assumed we would fast. Matthew 9, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? In other words, I'm here on earth right now, but someday the groom, that is, he's talking about himself, will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So let me give you a summary. When we get serious about praying breakthrough prayers, there's a fervency and increase in the power of our prayer. When you get serious about prayer, there's a fervency that will come. It will come. When you kind of set things aside and you say, I'm going to actually turn off the television, I'm going to turn off this, and I'm actually going to really pray, that fervency leads to things. Sometimes the results of our passionate, faith-filled prayer includes results that we would not have experienced if we had not prayed with faith and expectancy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to tell you, there will be things that you will experience here on earth that you would not have experienced if you didn't pray with faith. 
That is fact. The Bible makes that really clear. God invites you to join him and to pray with fervency and passion. And some of you right now, you're missing out on some of the things that God has for you because, I don't mean this mean, because you're lazy in your prayer, because you're, you're not taking prayer and fervent prayer seriously enough. And God is saying, come after me, pray. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Okay, now here's what I know. What I know is that some of you have done that in the past. Some of you have fervently prayed for something, and you did passionately pray for something, and it did not come out the way you wanted it to. You did pray. You prayed the very best you knew how to pray. And you were faithful in that, and God saw that. And the person did not get better, or the situation did not change, or the person refused to give up their porn, or the person refused to give up a destructive pattern in their life. You were fervent in your prayer. And it would be unfair to do a, a series on breakthrough prayer without at least taking a minute or two and talking about the fact that sometimes we do pray fervently and we don't see the answers we want to see. I just got to tell you, I've prayed fervently for things that I have not seen in the natural. I haven't seen them come to pass like I wanted them to come to pass. Here's the reality. And I'm just going to make a whole bunch of like summary statements here, kind of like back to back. Number one, I'm invited by God to pray. That's fact. I'm invited by God to pray. Number two, according to Scripture, our prayers matter. They actually matter. Number three, we are praying within a world that remains broken and fallen. Bad things are going to happen. Not because of my lack of faith, or my lack of praying earnestly, but because we live in a non-perfect world. That's fact. And my prayer does not replace the sovereignty of God. God is still ultimately in control. And he doesn't plan evil things. Jesus said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy does that but we live in a fallen, broken world. So how do we handle it when we pray and we don't see the results that we were praying for? What we have to do is we have to lean in to what we know about God's character. Now, finally, Jeremiah 29, 11, when God says to us, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Two chapters later, Jeremiah 31, 3. I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Ephesians, in the New Testament of the Bible. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us. God has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. So there are things over here that we wish that God would do. And sometimes they don't happen, even though we pray fervently and passionately about it. Sometimes what we have to do is we have to step back and we have to remind ourselves of the goodness of God in all the er other areas of our life. Okay, God, I'm praying about this. I don't see the answer I want to see, but I'm reminded that fact that you are a good God, ultimately. I may not understand this area, but over the entirety of my life, I do see you as being good. 
You, God, are a good God. God is a good God. His character is good. But not everything that happens in my life will be good because we live in a broken world. Jesus called John the Baptist the best human being who ever lived. And John the Baptist was beheaded by a sadistic, hedonistic king. Bad things are going to happen in this life. And our relationship with God is not transactional. Let me be really stupid. Can I just be really stupid? I was seven, it's a true story. I was 16 years old. I was between, uh, I think, my junior and my senior year in high school. And I was asked to leave uh, my friends and to, uh, to go hang out for a whole summer and travel with this singing group as a sound guy. So I left and I was gone all my, between my junior and senior year of high school uh, that whole summer to, uh, and ate way too many ham sandwiches, which I hated, um, and, and stayed in people's houses that hadn't cleaned in six months and stayed in beds that I knew had bed bugs and all that kind of stuff for three months. I did that for three months. And this is, this is so immature. Can I say it's so immature? But you'll understand my heart when I say this. There was a girl back home by the name of Nancy that I really liked. She was really cute. And I said, God, I'll give up my three months and I'll be out here on the road as long as you work it out that when I get home that Nancy will go out with me. Now, is that the most selfish prayer you've just about ever heard about in your life? And, um, and, and, and God, hey, it's cool, man. I'll give up that three months. That's good. I'll give up my fun. All my friends are having fun. I'm out here on the road eating ham sandwiches. And that's great. As long as I get Nancy at the end of the summer, we're good. We're good. It's good. Right? And here's what I know. I know that 55-year-old Chris Conrad, if he's not careful, can slip into that kind of thing. Well, God, look what I'm doing for you. Why can't you do X, Y, Z for me? See, God is not the cosmic Santa Claus. My relationship with God is not transactional. I have to trust him that he's good. So, God's invitation to us is to pray earnest prayers, to pray passionate prayers, to pray faith-filled prayers, to pray audacious prayers. And if we do that, we're going to see... God, do amazing things in our life. But in closing, here's what I know. What I know is some of you have prayed those types of prayers and you haven't immediately seen the things that you wanted to see. And so you have stopped praying faith-filled prayers. You don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to, and so you've stopped. And can I tell you, the enemy's got you right where he wants you. Because now your faith has decreased. You don't really believe God for great things anymore because that one thing you prayed for didn't come through in the time that you wanted it to come through. And so because of that, now you shrink back. And so the enemy's got you right where he wants you, which is not to pray fervent, faith-filled prayers. And I'm begging you during this series, would you please, as a congregation, as individuals at Heritage, would you rise up and start praying breakthrough prayers for your life, what God wants to do in your own life, what God wants to do in us collectively as a church, what God wants to do in the Quad Cities. Can we begin to believe him again for great things? Because our God is a great God who is waiting for us to come to him and petition him for great things. And he's tired of us just kind of praying, if I can call it this, kindergarten prayers. He's saying, would you please come up and would you please allow yourself to pray faith-filled prayers and push back 
the work of the enemy who's caused you to believe way less than what God has for you and what God has for us collectively as a church. Let's chase after God with fervency and passion and believe him because God is waiting to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He's just waiting for a group of people who will believe in faith and believe in fervency that he wants to move and work. And where is he going to find the people within the Quad Cities who will say, yes, God, would you work in and through me to do what you want to do in this place and in this space? Amen? So let's stand up and let's go after all that God has for us. Yes, I know that things haven't happened perfectly in your past. Yes, I know that you haven't seen answers to prayer that you wanted to see. So have I. But I'm not going to allow that to stop me from going after things that God has for me that I will never experience unless I pray faith-filled prayer. So would you pray with me? Holy Spirit of God, I'm so thankful for the people in this room who braved the ice on the road, who braved the ice in the parking lot, who got in here. And, and the last song we sang, just before I got, Christ be magnified. Jesus, we want to see you magnified in our lives. We believe that you have exceeding abundant things for us. We believe that you want to do greater things than we can imagine. We believe that you want to work in and through us. And yes, God, sometimes that means that we're going to, we're actually going to follow a prompting of your Holy Spirit to fast from something. We're actually going to give up something for a season. Maybe a week or two or three, this 22 days. Maybe we're going to see, you know what? I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to not watch Netflix, or I'm going to not do this, or I'm, not, I'm going to give up social media for a few weeks. I'm going to do some stuff, and instead of spending the time on that, I'm actually going to spend the time focused on prayer. And I'm going to ask God to begin to work in my life in those areas where I know he wants to work in. I'm going to ask him to begin to work in our church. I'm going to ask him to guide and direct the pastoral transition process. I'm going to ask him to come and do exceeding abundant things in our church, that he would bring revival to our church, that he would bring revival to the Quad Cities. I'm going to hit my knees, and I'm actually going to begin to pray faith-filled prayers again. God, I pray that you would rise up, that you would raise up those of us here at Heritage that just want to see you work, and that we would pray bold, audacious, faith-filled prayers that you would receive all the glory and the honor for when they come to fruition. God, we want to see you work in our own lives personally and in the lives of our church collectively. And I just want to encourage you in this moment, as the team just continues to play, and, and here's just a thing. How many of you just need to just take 30 seconds and say, God, I confess that my prayers have grown cold, that they've gone stale, that they've gone faithless, because I haven't seen you move in one area of my life that I wanted to see you move, and so I've given up. And you just want to confess that right now and say, but God, now, confess that, and now I want to move into all that you have for me. And I don't want to miss out. Jesus, come and do exceeding abundantly, I pray. Shower us with prayers that are fulfilled by the power of your name, Jesus. By the power of your name. By the power of your name. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do today 
this week, in these next few weeks, increase again our commitment to prayer and our commitment to believe you for great things in our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
Glory. 
Friends, thank you so much for joining us for worship today. I want you to know that if you have any questions or maybe a prayer request, or you just simply want to talk with one of our pastors, we invite you to visit heritageqc.com connect. Shoot us a note through that page and we'll get back with you shortly. We would love, love to connect with you. We also continue to be incredibly grateful for the many ways that Heritage Family shows radical generosity. And we want to remind you that if you desire to give financially, you can do that at heritageqc.com give. I also want to highlight that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of this coming week, we'll be meeting at noon in this very room, actually, at our Bridgepoint location for special breakthrough prayer services. You can also catch the service online as we stream it live on Facebook. And we would just love to have you join in with us as we cry out on behalf of our church, on behalf of us as individuals, and on behalf of our cities. I hope that each of you have a blessed week. Hope that we can see you connect back in with us next week and just invite you to go now, confident in the breakthrough power of Jesus in your life. Mm -hmm.